Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So, hey, I had to take last Sunday off. Wasn't feeling too good, but had to make sure I got here today. Uh, Happy African American History Month, according to Donald Trump, who seems to have an issue with saying black without, you know, tethering it to inner city. So, you know, this has been an interesting two weeks. I'm pretty sure you all know that because you've been living them right along with me. And there's so much to talk about, so much to talk about. You know, um, the way that we're being deluged with those executive orders and, you know, that's being done on purpose. So, you know, I kind of want you guys to know that and know that this is just the beginning, but also remain skeptical because what are they really trying to hide? And so that's the reason why I'm telling people to keep their eyes open, keep their ears open. You know, for those out there that have that third eye, you keep that one open too, the fourth and the fifth one as well. But, you know, know, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, again, it's like they're throwing sand into a gear shift which will inevitably bring the whole mech, you know the whole machine you know to a grinding halt all of the machinations there you know they come to a grinding halt and this is being done for a reason you know um, you have people out here who are agents of mayhem and and chaos and they know exactly what they're doing so I just want to tell you all stay encouraged Definitely stay encouraged. Um, You know, they're dropping these executive orders, you know, and all of these different things are happening with these, you know, subgroups. And, you know, I just want to tell people, pace yourselves. Pace yourselves. You cannot be at every (laughs) protest. You can't be at every rally. You can't be at every march. You, You know, it's only one of you. So unless, you know, you've been cloned or you know how to mutate, you know, you can only be in one place at one time. So, and it's important for you all to get the proper rest. It's important for you to stay hydrated. It's important that you keep food on your stomach. You have to keep all of that in mind because it's only two weeks in. And so, you know, we don't want everybody burnt out that after a month, you know, everybody's at home (laughs) nursing themselves because they're too tired. So, and there are a number of ways because, again, you have to remember that there are a number of people out there that that can contribute in a number of ways. So, you know, when I talk about these contributions, I'm not necessarily just talking about being on the street, you know, feet on the ground. I'm talking about the people that are home, that are tweeting out the information, that's you know, communicating, you know, posting it in different places, encouraging, you know, the activists out there. So we want to make sure that everybody is included because this impacts each and every last one of us in this country. Even some of the rich white elitists who feel that they are immune to this or above all of this, and they're going to benefit 
However, there's going to be backlash from, you know, from from them, you know, becoming allies, open allies with Donald Trump. And we saw a demonstration of that, you know, Uber, they pulled out. And, you know, a number of other places, Ivanka's clothing line is being dropped by Nordstrom's, I believe. And so you have other companies that are pulling out because of the backlash from the American public and in their customers. Interestingly enough, President Bannon was supposed to sign an executive order regarding the LGBTQ community and basically taking away the protections that President Obama signed into law, take those protections away so that they can be discriminated against, you know, while working, especially for the federal government. But due to the backlash from the public, you know, they say he's not going to sign it. But we have to keep an eye on this. You know, you you cannot sleep on these people. So it's a lot of things going on, a lot of things that I want to talk about today. But today, you know, basically the gist of the show is just, you know, what we're experiencing is white supremacy that is so wicked that it has white people nervous. And that's true, you know, because I've spoken to a number of people, a number of different situations or what have you, and they are nervous. Some of them are absolutely terrified as to what's, you know, happening in this country. And so, you know, I'm going to give a monologue. I'm going to, you know, give some thoughts, and then we'll revisit some of the points that I make. But before that, I want, I want us all to take a moment and have a moment of silence for those harmed in the Bowling Green Massacre. Mm-hmm. And then I want to give a shout-out to Frederick Douglass for doing such a great job. You know, and <laughs> let me tell you, I don't think Black History Month ever started out like this, ever. You have President Bannon, you know, bringing Frederick Douglass back from the dead. And because when he was talking and he was, you know, praising Frederick Douglass about doing such a great job, you know, that that's you, they've gaslighted the American public so much that I was even doubting myself. I had to go on Google. I'm like, I thought, you know, Douglass, Frederick Douglass had died, but wait, maybe, wait a minute. And so I had to go and Google it because it's like, I thought he had died, but by the time some of these people get done talking, you have to go and Google it to make sure that it was right. So I had to go and do my little research there. And, you know, Frederick Douglass's family, you know, penned a note to President Bannon and America. So that was quite interesting. Um, if anybody knows, did um, Umar Johnson issue a press release about his cousin, you know, Frederick Douglass? So I just thought I'd check. I don't know. I haven't looked that up yet. So, you know, that's the problem with all the gaslighting that's happening is is it, it has you doubting yourself. And so don't let them do that to you, you know. <laughs> but what really got me was Pence paying homage to Abraham Lincoln on the first day of Black History Month, also known as African American History Month. And, I mean, really, on the first day of Black History Month, you're honoring Abraham Lincoln, a white man. 
I don't know what else to say to you guys about this. I have no idea. You know, when I saw that, my hands just went up in the air like, can you believe this shit? And so, you know, it was funny because then people started trolling, you know, President Bannon and Pence. And it was the funniest thing ever. If you all get a chance to go out and check it out, you can. I posted a link on my wall. And for those of you out there, you know, you can always go to my Facebook page. Um, You know, there is a public profile for Black Free Thinkers. And everything I post on my page is public. So, you know, whether you decide to friend me or follow me or what have you, all of that information is public. It's very rare that I don't post something that's public. And, you know, I hardly ever, you know, publish anything that's personal. So, um, yeah, check that out. Check that out. I want you guys to go and take a look at Frederick Douglass coming back from the dead, you know, trolling President Bannon. You know, um, Twitter de- deleted that account, so it was just funny. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you got some people out here that are waking up, and, you know, we have these conflicting factions out here. And, you know, there was always competition, conflicts, you know, that's just human nature. But with this particular administration, I believe that it's going to become even more apparent as far as the conflicts and is going to be encouraged. Because the way that I'm seeing this, and this is just me, in my opinion, The way that I'm looking at this administration, particularly with President Bannon, he's basically pitting one group against the other. And one of the focus, you know, you know, I want you to focus on that, because at one point, you know, they were trying to pit the LGBTQ community against the black community. And that's something that's ongoing, didn't start with this administration, so I want to make sure I qualify that. But you're going to see these different groups out here, and he's setting it up like his own little apprentice, and this is how he's setting things up in the White House as well, that you'll have these, you know, different subcultures or subgroups fighting, and whoever does the best job will be the one that gets most rewarded. You know, but then he's sitting back and he's entertained by those that are fighting one another. And so, you know, I'm not saying that's how he's going to conduct his presidency. I don't know. I'm just as, you know, confused as the rest of you, sitting back, watching and waiting, waiting for the next shoe to drop. But like I said, I want you guys to, you know, be encouraged, stay vigilant, you know, don't Don't allow anyone to discourage you from, you know, speaking your peace, period. You know, it's it's your opinion, and you have a right to give it. And so, you know, what was interesting, and I posted an article about this, is that this focus on radical Islam, you know, that President Bannon and a lot of people in this this country – you know, they, they try to make everyone believe that, you know, we have such a big problem with Muslims in this country and that the Muslims, you know, are the problem. And, I mean, truth of the matter is, if you go out and you look at the statistics, and I'm going to post this 
a little bit later on, but um, there is a study that came from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and the sociologist, his name was Charles Kurzman, and basically it says terrorism by Muslims make up one-third of 1% of all murders in the United States. Okay, and so it you know it kind of tallies up all of the data of terrorist attacks committed by Muslim America, right? Or Muslim Americans, and it said the study show or the study found that only 46 Muslim Americans defined as Muslims who lived in the U.S. for an extended period of time were linked to violent extremism at home or abroad in 2016. The total Muslim American population is 3.3 million. Of those 46, only 24 were actually implicated in a concrete terrorist plot. The other, the others did things like attempting to travel to Syria to join ISIS. Those plots claimed 54 lives, the vast majority of which, 49, came in a single attack, the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. And me personally, I do not believe that that shooting at Pulse was radical Islam. I, I believe it had everything to do with that young man um, not being able to deal with the fact that, you know, he was LGBTQ. And so, you know, I'm not doing the show about that today, but that's just my opinion on that particular situation. But, you know, what I find interesting is they want to talk about, you know, this radical Islam and how people are being radicalized online through videos and social media. But they're not talking about how white people are being radicalized, and particularly white men. Those are the biggest terrorists in America. And, you know, they're taking money away from, you know, and I posted it, they're taking money away from watchdog groups, you know, and agencies that monitor white supremacists as well, you know, as well as these anti-abortion assassins out here. They're taking the money that's normally you know, um, geared toward those particular activities. And they're trying to shift it all to radical Islam. And so basically, you know, the white supremacists and anti-abortion assassins, you know, I'm not saying that they won't be monitored, but I'm saying that they won't be monitored, not effectively. Do you think that's a coincidence? So, you know, it's a lot of stuff happening a lot of things going on, and, you know, what has a lot of people alarmed is the fact that, you know, some of the changes that are being implemented by President Bannon, you know, it should be scaring the living shit out of most of us. You know, the fact that they're appointing Steve Bannon to the National Security Council, you should be terrified about that. And, you know, what's interesting is I read an article stating that the only way he'll be able to sit on that particular council is that he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to be, um, um, he's going to have to go through the process of being vetted 
by Congress. So that should be interesting because I don't think that's going to happen. And President Bannon, I don't think he knew that Steve Bannon was going to have to go before, you know, the politicians to be appointed that seat. So I just think it's important that you guys keep reading and, you know, I know it's information overload, trust me. That's why I had to take last Sunday off besides, you know, be, being physically tired. But, you know, it's a lot coming at us. You know, pace yourself. Take your time. But, you know, I need for you guys to go out there and start asking all of these questions. You know, and, again, why isn't and when we say no one is talking about, you know, white people being radicalized, I'm talking about white people not talking about it. Black people, you know, Latino people, Asian people, natives, we've been talking about this shit forever. And we have to rope a dope white people into these conversations. And so, you know, what's so interesting about, you know, these white men that are radicalized, um, is that, you know, the way that the press portrays them, you know, they say, oh, these were lone wolves, you know, and, and they were just misunderstood, or there was a mental health care issue there. Every excuse in the book, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's just amazing, you know, and I want us to keep this conversation going. Um, in particular, you know, I'm laughing at the conversations that are taking place about, you know, these Nazis. And so, you know, it was a lot of hoopla because there were people punching Nazis out, you know, on television and a number of other things, people shouting them down. And so then you started seeing all of these conversations, the different postings, whereas they were debating whether or not punching out Nazis was the right thing to do. And so I posted a meme on my wall, and this was put up by um, someone on Twitter. Their name is The Moon. And it says, it's so interesting to see the response of people to punching a Nazi versus uh, versus police killing people. And later on, she says, Nazis get punched. Violence is not the answer. Free speech. Black person killed, they shouldn't have been disrespectful. Y'all justify someone getting assault by the police for backtalk, but a Nazi can advocate for genocide and suddenly, punch, and suddenly punching is too much. And that's true. And, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, I saw, you know, different things and different conversations that I had with people And, you know, in many cases with some of the white people that I converse with, they'll say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was happening. And my response was, we've been telling you that this is happening. And someone sent a tweet out, and I think I retweeted it. And it was talking about, you know, white people saying that they didn't know, why didn't someone tell them about what was happening? And then it has this, you know, this image of this black woman chewing gum, looking at them like we told you, but you didn't believe us. And so it's just, it's it's mind-numbing and, and, you know, it's hurtful. And, you know, I want to make sure that that's understood because, again, we tell you all things that are happening out here, what we're dealing with, what we're faced with, and we're not believed 
And again, if, if you know, if you're an ally or a so-called ally and you don't believe what we're telling you, you're not our ally and you're not our friend. You're just someone here that's trying to monitor us and trying to control us. And so, you know, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And, you know, I have some thoughts on a lot of different things. But, you know, there's a reason why white folks are getting nervous about Donald Trump. And, you know, like I said on the last podcast, I was talking about how some of the white people that voted for Donald Trump, they were like, oh, well, do what you want to the black folks and all those other folks over there, but just leave us alone. And they didn't believe Donald Trump when he was on the campaign trail talking about how he was going to cut out the abortion and get rid of Planned Parenthood and, you know, all of these things. You know, but then that's when white folks started getting upset, angry, and nervous. You know, don't mess with their abortion and birth control pills, but you can do what you want to everybody else. Just leave us alone. And it seems like, you know, President Bannon is an equal opportunity asshole, right? And so, you know, you have all these people out here calling the man stupid and crazy. And you know what? I'm guilty of that as well. But I stopped. Why? Because that man is not stupid. Nowhere near it. He's ignorant as fuck, but he's not stupid. You know, and he's not crazy. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he told you he was going to do it. You know, and unfortunately, the American public is so used to politicians lying to them that they don't believe them when they say that they're going to do all of these horrible things to different people in different groups. But this guy meant it. Black people knew he meant that shit. And that's one of the reasons why I was going off for the past year and a half on the show telling you guys not to laugh at Trump and to take it serious and to put the word out there. He told us exactly who and what the fuck he was. I, for one, believed his ass. And so now, you know, we're caught up. We're caught up in all of this and... You know, what's interesting is, you know, he's, you know, when we talk about Trump, he's always talking about the blacks. And, of course, he has a couple of blacks, you know, on his staff. He has no Latinos. I don't believe there are any, there's anyone from um, the Latino community that's part of his cabinet or his immediate circle. And we all know that's done for a reason, Right. You know, but what I want to ask white folks, I mean, you're nervous about it, but, you know, you voted him in. And, you know, with President Bannon there, you know, his obsession and focus with Chicago, you know, it's it's, it's crazy. And the only reason why we have President Bannon right now is because white folks are scared and afraid of black people. And... Quite a few white folks resented, you know, Obama. They will never publicly say that, you know, just like they never publicly stated that they, you know, supported Donald Trump. They didn't want anyone to know. And then they went in the voting booth and they voted for him. So anyway, let's get back to President Bannon and his focus on Chicago. So, you know, my opinion 
is that, you know, he resents Chicago because this is where, you know, Obama came from, Barack Obama. You know, he, he his political career started here in Chicago. So that's one reason for, you know, the focus. The second reason is Chicago was the only city that shut that ass down when he was bringing his tour of hate and ignorance, you know, to us, you know, throughout this country, the campaign trail. So when he tried to bring his hate this way, that shit got shut all the way the fuck down. And so now you have President Bannon threatening to send in, you know, the National Guard into Chicago. And what's interesting is one of his blacks, um, the preacher from Ohio, Daryl Scott, got up there and lied his ass off. He stated that, you know, some some big time gangbangers called him up personally to say that they supported Trump, that they supported what Trump was trying to do, and that they could stop the so-called carnage in Chicago. And later on, you know, this pastor, Daryl Scott from Ohio, he walked back those comments, and he said these were former gangbangers. And and he said he misspoke because he had only had a few hours of sleep. And so, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm watching him backtrack. And, of course, this jackleg preacher is still going to stay on the council with Donald Trump. Why? Because, you know, Donald Trump looks at this pastor as someone who helped to get him elected. So there is a certain loyalty that's there. Right, but what I can say, and I know I speak for a lot of, you know, not everybody, but, you know, at least a few people here in Chicago, Daryl Scott, keep your ass in Ohio. We don't want you here. You can't come here and do a damn thing. And, oh, yeah, for those of you that are out here, you know, holding up all these statistics, Chicago is not the murder capital of the United States. I think we rank 14th or 15th. So that means there are either 13 or 14 other cities ahead of us. Posted that on my wall, too. Go look it up. Go research it. And so, you know, again, you know, with the media propaganda, with, you know, the media controlling the information, the media, you know, um, framing these narratives, you have to be very careful with that because this is done on purpose. When you watch the news, you know, disproportionately, you know, black stories are focused on. So whether, you know, if there was a murder or whether they murdered somebody or, you know, they got a paper cut, any of these things, you know, black people are disproportionately featured on the news in a very negative way. But, yeah, Daryl, keep your ass up there in Ohio. You know, maybe you need to go to Cleveland. Columbus, Cincinnati, you know, any of those places. You know, you go help those folks there. You know, and the pastors here in Chicago are just as bad. And, oh, yeah, for you atheists out there (laughs) that voted for Donald Trump, yeah, he's trying to get rid of the Johnson Amendment. Yep, yep, yep. And so what that will do is unbridle 
the mouths and the tongues of these preachers, and they'll be able to talk and preach politics from their pulpit. Not that they've ever really stopped doing it. However, with the Johnson Amendment, that, you know, created a situation in which if these pastors and preachers, you know, talk politics from the pulpit, that there would be consequences via the IRS and, you know, consequences to their um, nonprofit status, so that 501c3. So that's happening there. And, you know, I want you guys to just pay attention, see what's happening. These are being, this is very strategic, you know, and and you can't be stupid and, and, and set this chess game up like this because this is definitely, you know, a game of chess. So you, you have to pay attention and you got to be four, five, six, seven steps ahead. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing this show because it's like I want to tell you guys what to look out for and, and what's happening. But since I'm on the topic of atheism, particularly white atheism, you know, what I find funny, you know, and it's not just the atheist community. Again, you have all of these sub-communities, the LGBTQ uh, you know, the feminist community and a whole bunch of other folks, even even within, you know, um, the handicapped disabled community. You have these corporatized narratives that are out there, but then you also have a selected group of people who have been or who have chosen themselves to be the spokespeople for these particular communities. And generally, these are white men. Right, and so, and and the reason why they feel, and we all know the truth behind this. The reason why they're out front is to make to make the subject matters more palatable, if you will, to mainstream, you know, America. And so, yeah, I'm getting ready to talk about you know some of these so-called white allies out here, and all of these different communities. But you know, with an extra nod to the you know, white atheist community. What I find funny is quite a few of them endorse Trump. And, you know, you have some black atheists out here endorsing Trump. You know, you know, hmm. trying to bridle my tongue, trying to figure out how to state this. But, you know, they voted for Trump. And what's so interesting is a few people who I know voted for, you know, President Bannon over there, Basically, you know, they're out here, they're stating that they're not afraid and they're not going to back down and, you know, they want history to show that, you know, they were for all people and that they fought back. And, you know, how are you going to fight back against somebody that you put in office that you wanted to win? And so what's interesting is is that, you know, you've heard me talking about how you have these so-called white allies out here who want to portray themselves as fighting the good fight and, you know, fighting against fascism and imperialism, right? Yet they secretly voted for Trump, and some of them openly voted for Trump, right? They support conservative politics that are detrimental to, you know, many people of color, you know, not only black people, but, you know, non-black people of color, right? And what they do is they attempt to hide behind being progressive, being progressive and being liberal. You know, they'll say that they're, you know, um, 
fiscally conservative, but everything else they're liberal on. They're lying to you. They're lying to you. And, see, they've taken this social justice activism, this human rights activism, you know, this, this resistance that we're dealing with, um, you know, human rights, civil rights, social justice, resistance, activism, and they've turned it into an industry that they can profit from. And this is what I want you all to know and understand. You know, they're making money off of this, but also in many of these cases, the only people that they are trying to help are the people that look like them, people that think like them, their own little limited group of people, which is why you always hear me saying, what is justice and is justice limited? And this is something that you guys need to think about because what's so interesting is you have all of these groups out here now, and they want the blacks to march with them. They want the blacks to rally with them. They want the blacks to support them when traditionally these same groups have, you know, you know, asked for our assistance in the past, requested and, and begged us to help them. And then once they reached a hurdle or, or milestone and overcame that, then they turn around and throw us under the bus and tell us, no, we earned this, and now you have to, you know, earn it for yourselves, forgetting the fact that they stood on our backs and we gave them a lift, a hand up, to get to where they needed to get to. And so I just find it interesting how, you know, how short some people's attention spans are. But, again, you have these so-called white allies that are out here telling us to wait or, no, you shouldn't do it this way or, no, like they have all of the fucking answers. And if you have all of the answers, why haven't we overcome a lot of these problems, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but this is the thing. They want to lead this resistance. They want to lead the social justice activism, you know, movement. They want to lead this new civil rights, you know, activism movement and this new human rights activism movement, but yet they can't even sit down and talk to their family and some of their friends and even some of their acquaintances in their respective communities about racism homophobia, transphobia, sexism, all of that shit. And if you can't talk to your family or friends, how the fuck are you going to lead a resistance? But it all goes back to your pocketbook. And see, and this is what I want people to understand. Question these folks. You have a right to question them. And because what they're doing is they're profiting from it, stealing our words, stealing our intellectual property, coming out and co-opting these movements, you know, sending out these crazy-ass tweets, you know, and, and, and all of these different things, and then turn around and cry these fake white tears when we question and critique you. And, you know, you're not crying and you're not upset because you really care about the black community or any of these communities of color or any of these subcultures. You're upset because you got caught and called out. And we won't stop. We won't just let it go. We keep asking why. And question after question after question. And many of you all feel as though no one has the right to question you. And you're on that bullshit there. And so <laughs> I just think it's important that um, 
you know, we call this shit out for what it is. And, you know, and so what's interesting is, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, you'll have people, you know, trolling. You know, that's what I call it, right? So they'll come over to my wall, and they'll get over there, and they want to regulate what I put on my wall, my Facebook wall. And and, and want to tell me that by me posting you know, all of the things that have happened to black people and Latino people and Native people and Asian people, that by me posting that information and especially some of the things that I talk about on this show, they want to call me divisive. This has been happening since 2011, so this is nothing new to me. But it's interesting because they'll come over to my wall trying to regulate some shit, and and this is the thing. they You get angry. And you demand that I engage you, you know, and and then some of you demand that I educate you, you know, not just me, but just, you know, people of color in general. You demand that we engage you in your nonsense and your desperate need to be right about every goddamn thing you can think of. You know, you know, you want to come to me and tell me what it's like to be black in this country. The next time you wake up black in this country, then you can come to me and talk shit. If you didn't wake up and go to sleep black, fuck you. Can't tell me what it's like to be black. I wake up like this every day. And you'll have some people like, well, you got to put race behind you. How the fuck am I going to do that when I'm reminded of this every day? I didn't create this rule. I did not create this construct. I did not create this dialogue. You did. So it's up to you to deconstruct and dismantle it. And I see you callers. Give me a minute. And, you know, and it's just, it's really interesting. So you come to my wall and start talking all of this nonsense. And for anyone who's been around enough, you know, I don't do a lot of talking on social media. I post things. Sometimes, you know, when I post it, I'll say a little something. And every once in a while, I'll comment in the comment section. But as, you know, as a rule, I don't really do a lot of that. And there's a reason for that. And so, you know, you have these people and they'll come and, you know, they're demanding that you address them and that you acknowledge them. And me being who I am, more than likely I'm going to respond with a meme. And so, you know, this one particular person, they were like, what does, what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? And then I responded, I simply dismissed you. And they were like, no, you tried. And I'm like, no, I succeeded because you're still talking. And then I blocked the person. And then I put blocked, but waiting for you to respond or comment with your other Facebook profile. And they were typing something because you can see when someone is typing something and then that went away. And so, so they never, you know, posted their little comment or retort. But this is the thing. I don't owe you shit. I don't owe you an explanation. I don't owe you any of my time. I don't owe you any type of education. I don't owe I'm not going to validate your bullshit. It's just not going to happen. So you will get blocked. You will be ignored. And I'll talk about your ass. So there's that, you know, and then what's interesting is some of the ones that want to call the show and over talk me, you know, you don't have a question for you. 
have you forgotten that I have all of the buttons on this side of the, of the conversation? You know, so, <laughs> so, you know, these are examples of, you know, some white people demanding that we engage them, you know, demanding that we educate them, demanding that we accommodate them, demanding that we appease them, and most importantly, demanding that we validate them. You don't owe them shit. Period. So, you know, I just wanted to say that and make sure that that's clearly understood. And I know some of my opinions can be, you know, strong, but they're mine. You know, and, and you know, present me with information. Present me with information let me read, let me research. You know, I've been known to change my opinion on things. Trust me. And I've been known to come back and apologize, you know, for making mistakes. Um saying, you know, it's saying something that wasn't quite kosher or, you know, in some cases wasn't even true. You know, and so I have no problems doing that. I have no problems admitting when I make a mistake. I have no problem admitting when I just fucking don't know something. There's no shame in not knowing anything. The shame is when you don't even do any research to try to find the answers or the correct answers. You know, and so there are so many things that I want to talk about, you know, um, as far as what's happening, you know, President Bannon's only been in office for two weeks and he's already taken a vacation. Lazy much? And complaining that he can't enjoy his presidency. And his administration, you know, claiming that they never attacked Obama in this way. You know, and, and it's just interesting, you know. <laughs> and, you know, then he's turning around and he's pissing everybody off. You know, pissing off China, and, you know, Bannon was saying that, you know, we're going to probably end up having a battle in regards to the Red Sea and what's considered international waters and what is not. So I want you guys to keep an eye on that. That's very important to keep an eye on because President Bannon owes a lot of money to China. So it's important that you all understand the international implications behind all of this and and why you should be vigilant about certain things. You know, um, President Bannon, you know, <laughs> President Bannon, you know, he had a nice little chat with President Nieto from Mexico, right? And we was talking about there were some some bad hombres down in Mexico, and we can send troops in there. And, of course, you know, after the fact, the, the you know, the administration said that, oh, well, he was just kidding. I don't know. I think he kind of meant that. And then also the situation with Australia, when he said that President Obama made, you know, a bad deal with bringing, you know, some of the refugees to this country. And and what's so interesting is he called Australia, you know, just a bunch of criminals, right? And so, you know, earlier this week, I posted a few things on purpose because I was hoping that you all would catch the link 
And so, and when I say catch the link, I'm talking about catching the link of him saying that Australia was basically, you know, you know, a land or, you know, a bunch of criminals, right? Well, if you go back to early American history, you know, before the Mayflower, okay? So before the Mayflower, what was happening was Britain they started shipping off their convicts, their um, addicts, you know, their less than desirable people. They were shipping them to Australia and America. And also you have to include the ones that were, you know, working peons or working slaves, right, you know, in which they were able to work off seven or 14 years to pay off whatever said debt was. But they were being shipped to Australia and America as punishment. And so I found it ironic that he would call Australia a bunch of criminals when the same thing applies to this damn country here. They were the king and queen's bastards. And they were shipped over here as a punishment. And so, you know, and again, all of this happened before the Mayflower. If you pay attention to how they try to teach American history, you know, everything kind of starts with that Mayflower and works its way up. And even the ones that were shipped on the Mayflower, you know, those were problematic. And so... You know, I want you guys to go out there and do some research on, and I'll give you some keywords here, America, Australia, convicts, good servants, slavery, throw Africa into that as well, particularly West Africa, because they sent some of those same convicts over to West Africa. And this is why I'm saying that it's time for us to start changing the language. And so I just ordered a book, and I don't feel like looking for the name of it, but um, it was a book, and it was talking about, let me stop being lazy and look it up. Um, it was talking about America and, not America, but how Britain was shipping, you know, all of these people to America, Australia, and even Africa, and it turned into a big-ass damn mess. So I'm waiting for this book to come in so I can read this and we can talk about it. All right, the name of the book is called, I hate when I do this, all these buttons, it's called Merciless Place, A Merciless Place, A Fate of Britain's convicts after the American Revolution, right? And this was written by Emma Christopher. So, you know, I want to read that and I want to pick that up. And I think that would be interesting. So sorry about that, guys. Um, I thought I had hung up by mistake. So um, yeah, 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 yeah. I just think it's important that you guys understand and know what's happening here and what's going on. This does not look right on this side, you know? So hold on a second. Let me try something. And what I'm going to do 
is play a little something while I figure out what's going on here. Hold on. All right. There you go. All right. So, yeah, I am still on. All right. I just want to make sure because sometimes with these phones, it gets kind of crazy. You think that you've been cut off when you haven't. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I want you to go out and look at what happened when they sent some of those people to Africa because, you know, I want to talk about the narrative that has been painted in regards to slavery and regards to how Africans sold other Africans into slavery when that's not necessarily the case. In many cases, you know, they were prisoners of war. So that's another reason why I want to read this book and do some more, you know, scholarship and research on this so that I could, you know, can put together a better narrative, have the language intact so that we can examine that because I think that's something that we need to reread and we need to, again, control that particular narrative. So, you know, look that up. Look it up and let me know, you know, how you guys feel about these things. Um, but in other news, you know, I wanted to make sure that I acknowledged that I posted an article and it was talking about black children and how suicide rates are going up for black children. And I just want to encourage the parents out there, talk to your babies. Talk to your children. Love your children, and most importantly, listen to them. You know, they have feelings and thoughts, you know, and it's not just the children, black people in general. You know, what's, you know what gets me is when you have people, you know, these races minimizing our humanity, and then we turn around and do it to one another. And, you know, just in general, I think our community is depressed. I really think this. I've been saying this for years. And I really do think we need to dismantle and deconstruct the stigma of mental health care and, and therapy and all of that in in our community. You know, we want people to go out there and get help and know your pastor can't help you or counsel you. Get professional help. And, you know, what I find interesting is that a lot of these churches are now encouraging their members to actually go and get, you know, some counseling services. You know, unfortunately, some of them have created their own industry with these life coaches. And and so I just want you guys to be careful. Be careful with that. And, you know, another thing that I wanted to throw out there real quick, you have all of these hashtags out here that are directed to undocumented people, you know, telling them to have pride and identify themselves. Don't do it. This is a trick. They're trying to find you and trying to out you. They're trying to ferret folks out. So be careful. It's very important that you be careful. And same thing with um, the Muslim community. You have police officers dressing up in traditional Muslim, you know, um, clothing. 
and arresting folks and causing some problems. So it's important that you guys know what is happening and to be very careful. And, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know. And I've talked to people, and they're like, oh, we need a modern-day underground railroad. We already have one. What they need are more people to participate in sheltering people that are being hunted, you know, especially with the xenophobia that we're seeing in this country. So, again, um, just be vigilant, pay attention to what's going on. You know, a lot of what we're seeing now is with this Americanism, you know, it's the same thing as nativism. And the hatred toward immigrants is not new. That's not new. So when we see, and I put a meme up, and it was talking about white folks and non-black people of color that, you know, that they're saying that this is not the America that they know. And you got black folks looking at them like they all lost their mind. We're giving them the gas face, right? And it's true. This is the America we know. But now they're out here treating you like black people, and you don't like that shit. Welcome to our world, right? And so, um, yeah, just go out here. Um, You know, a lot of different viewpoints and opinions that, you know, that I've been hearing. So you have some black people who are out here saying that blacks shouldn't participate in these protests in regards to the Muslim ban, right? And so I want to know why do you feel that way? And, you know, and when I say that, you know, I'm not castigating anybody or disparaging them or anything like that. I really just want to know your opinion because there are black Muslims too, and they are being erased from the conversation. So, you know... It's kind of a catch-22 here, but, you know, what I find funny is some of the people in these communities, especially the atheist community, the white atheist community, with their attacks on radical Islam and all of that bullshit, is, you know, they'll sit there and they'll quote Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali, you know, put up some memes from Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X, while at the same time pointing at Muslims and saying they're radical and they don't belong in this country. I just want you all to think about that. You know, they'll even go as far to change their profile pictures to reflect that sentiment regarding Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali when it's convenient. And as I've stated before, Islam is a black and brown religion. You know, and you can say that you're not Islamophobic all day long. Say it all day long. But you're a racist. And, you know, for the most part, many of them are angry because they haven't figured out how to exploit and manipulate Islam. So they they take the opposite role. They make everybody fear and hate it with these propaganda campaigns. And then one day we're going to see, and it's going to look like Islam was a white, you know, religion. And so it's just, it's amazing. You know, and that's why I say we need to get control of these narratives. 
And we have to have a broader perspective of these things and what's happening. And start calling these folks out on it. Start questioning, you know, their motives. And, oh, yeah, also to all you All Lives Matter people, where are you? You're not saying all lives matter when it comes to the Muslims. Only time you say that is when black people say black lives matter. And again, trying to erase us out of the conversation. And see, and that's, you know, and and, and again, when I was talking about the Nazis being punched, you know, again, you all make black people feel as though we deserve to be mistreated. We must have done something to get beaten by the police. You know, again, playing into these different mythologies, the mythology of black inferiority, the mythology of black criminality, just pathologizing the black community and black people, and you act like that's fine. And it's not. And so, again, you all lives matter, people. Where the fuck are you? Where are you? And so, you know, what's happening now, you know, in this country, and, you know, you had the Women's March, so now, you know, the feminism, you know, the white feminists are trying to, you know, be, you know, get their agenda on the table, and and make their voices heard, right? And now you have, you know, what's happening with the Muslims and you have what's happening with the Latinos or Mexico in particular in that wall. And these are important in their own right, but I still maintain that a lot of this is being said and done and pushed to the forefront, quiet black people, and in our fight for justice in regards to social justice and being treated fair and equitably in this country. And this is not the first time this has been done in regards to, you know, black movements, you know, in particular the civil rights and the black power movement. You know, that's when we started having the red scares and the McCarthyism, and that's coming back now. You know, you know the red scare thing is out there, but it's not catching on the way they want it to catch on. But it's there, and all of this to drown black people out. So, you know, again, I understand. I mean, there are many different ways that you can look at this, but, you know, you all lives matter, folks. Where are your fundraisers? You know, have you created any, you know, any any means or whatever? And what's so funny is when President Bannon spoke about the Holocaust, he didn't specifically say anything about Jewish people, right? You know, he, he just talked about everybody. He, You know, that's what they claim. And so Jewish people were outraged, of course. And But for those of you that are out there, again, do some research. I want you to go and look up because there were, you know, during the Holocaust, they also executed and killed um, gay people, LGBTQ. That's where the pink triangle comes from. And there were a lot of blacks killed during the Holocaust. And many of these were children from the Rhineland 
So there are books out there talking about the Holocaust and black people and how they were being treated. And, you know, over in the Rhineland, there were a lot of, you know, biracial children and, you know, before the Holocaust, during the Holocaust, even afterwards. A lot of these, you know, um, biracial black children, men, women, whoever, their their um, citizenships were being snatched away. And that didn't just happen there. It was happening in France as well. There are a couple of books coming out um, about white supremacy in Europe, and in particular France. And I've always been really interested in that, and I've read some books. But um, there's one coming out, and I'm on a waiting list for that. So I can't wait until it's released. But, yeah, there's more to it than just what happened with the Jewish people. You know, and it was it was horrible horrible history but you know it's interesting that they use that all lives matter ruse with the Jewish people when the Jewish people call them out on not you know specifically honoring Jewish people so they use that all lives matter with them how does that make you feel you don't like it and what's interesting is you have people a lot here you know, um, protesting about the, you know, the Muslim ban and all of that. And they're like, well, where is Black Lives Matter? You know, we see all this stuff, but where are they? The reason why you don't see the Black Lives Matter hashtag and all of that is because we know not to take over other people's shit. This is their movement. Many, many, many people who are aligned with, you know, Black Lives Matter, they feel that this is an injustice as well. But we're not trying to take over their movement. There is a lesson in that. Think about it. So, you know, again, you know, go out, do some research, do some some reading. And what's so interesting, and I posted an article on my wall, and it was talking about some radical Jewish people who voted for Trump, and they are embracing the alt-right. Pay attention to that. Keep an eye on that. You know, it's, it's very important that you guys see what's happening out here. But, yeah, you know, some of this, I believe, is being done to overshadow the black community and our fight for justice, you know. And I just want you guys to go out there and take a look. And for those, you know, who have been around, you know, the last few shows, and I've been talking about how I'm rethinking voting on a national level. Now, locally and statewide, it's important that you guys vote because, you know, those are the politics that directly affect you. But with the national, you know, with the Congress and the presidency, I'm not saying that I'm not going to vote again because I do vote. I'm registered to vote and will continue to do so. However, I do believe that we need to drop the Democrats and the Republicans. We need a third party. We need a third party. And, you know, what's happening now with the Democrats running around like Keystone cops, you know, many of them, they claim to be against Donald Trump, but they're falling in line with what he's doing and what he's putting out here. You know, and some are claiming that, you know, other Democrats are afraid of him because he's the president and they don't want him on Twitter talking shit. 
If he can get on Twitter talking shit, so can you. So, you know, again, <laughs> you know, I want you guys to go out because, you know, the the shit that we're dealing with now, Democrats and Republicans both are responsible for this, and they profit from it. And so, you know, you have us out here begging them to fix this or fix that, and and they're not going to do it. They created the problem. And they and their friends continue to profit from it. And now they're falling in line with Trump because they're too scared to speak up. It's time for them to go. You know, the Democrats and the Republicans, we need a third party. And I really, truly believe if we don't do it now, that it'll be too late. And so I was talking to a friend um, not too long ago, and she was like, you know, you, you know, you need to encourage the people. And I'm like, I think I do that, you know, every time I do a show. And she was like, well, people want to know what to do. Give us some directives. And it's not the first time that I've heard that, you know, and I try to steer clear of things like that. And the reason for that is because I want you to be your own person to have your own agency, to make your own decisions. But what I will tell you, you know, what's happening right now, and that's very, very effective, keep showing up to these town halls and demanding answers. So when they have these town halls, these meetings, go. And if you have to line up to ask questions, you all get your lines together, get your questions together before, and then just get in line so that they will have to talk because many of them are ducking out of these town halls, these meetings, because they don't want to talk to their constituents. So, you know, continue showing up to these meetings, town halls, keep demanding answers, keep calling them so much that they stop taking calls. You know, at one point, you know, when you were called the Congress, it was just a machine and the voicemail was full. So keep doing that. If you get their cell phone numbers, hey, share it with all of us, and then we can call and text the shit out of them. You know, just keep flooding their voicemail. Keep flooding their emails. Keep sending faxes. Yes, y'all, faxes. You know, so, you know, the faxes are going through, demand these answers. And as I've been saying for a long time, vote them the fuck up out of office and take away the incentives. And we should be able to make that retroactive. You only serve one time in the House of Representatives or the Senate, and you get a portion of your salary for the rest of your life in the Cadillac medical program? You know, the medical insurance? No. Take all that shit away. I ain't never heard of nobody working at a job, one job, and then whether they quit or they're fired, get their salary for the rest of their lives. Who does that? You know, the other things that you can do, run for office. But don't be trying to run for office under no damn crazy shit. There ain't nobody going to vote for you. You know, you have to take it serious. Because if you don't take it serious, people won't take you serious. You know, and just keep asking those questions. Keep challenging them. And this is this goes beyond the politics. I'm talking about anybody, everybody. You know, if you see them out at dinner or standing in line to buy some bread at the grocery store, start asking those questions. They work for you. Demand answers. 
You know, they have, you know, let's say they're being interviewed on CNN or Fox or whatever, and, you know, sometimes they have the live Twitter feed. Take control of the hashtag. Start asking questions that way. Just take control of these are These are things that you can do. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, in front of their offices, they have off, set up shop in front of their offices. Question them then. So, you know, if you want directives, there you go. You know, those are the ways that you can get started. And, you know, again, I know I was very talkative this first hour, but I thought it was important because there's so much going on. I mean, you have people out here that hate the protesters, that are doing everything in their power to harm them, you know, creating these new laws and ordinances, you know, city, town, state, and even, you know, federal ones, you know, that are forthcoming to stop the protesters. And you have some of these politicians that are saying that the only way that they're going to be able to really stop these protesters is to create another situation, you know, um, with Kent, Kent College. So for those of you, you know, Kent State University there, um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Kent State, you know, in the massacre that happened then, a lot of protesters were killed. So go and do some research on that. You know, they're trying to give um, the police the authority to shoot to kill. They're trying to give people the authority to run over protesters. They're trying to give, you know, um, you know, jail sentences to protesters, felonies, 10 years here. It just is outrageous what they're doing. You know, if, if you're going to be arrested by the police and you ask why, you can be charged with obstruction or, or some other type of felony, saying that you're trying to resist arrest just by asking why. It's important. So, you know, it's this guy from Michigan, um, and I'm looking for his name. And he was talking about that there needs to be another Kent, you know, another Kent State massacre. His name is Dan Adamini, A-D-A-M-I-N-I. And he said the violent protests at our universities certainly indicate portage occasion at the lower level. I'm thinking another Kent State might be the only solution. Protests stopped after only one death. They do it because they know there are no consequences yet. So I want you guys to think about that. Go and look it over. You know, he deleted the tweet, but, you know, it's still out there. And, yeah, where it says portage education, that means poor education, Right. And so, um, you know, you have these people, you know, that are saying this, you know, angry because the students at UC Berkeley shut that shit down when that Milo, Milo guy was there to talk. Hmm. So, you know, it's a lot of stuff happening out here. Um, and I just think it's important that you guys get out here and do some research. You have um, human rights activists over in Colombia, black human rights activists being killed left and right. 
You know, so for those of you, go back and look, you know, Afro-Colombians and see what's happening over there. And so it's happening in the Col- the Columbia Pacific region. So go and take a look at that because the thing is, is that you have some people that want to do this in this country. And the way things are being set up, they're not going to have much resistance. And there's not going to be a lot of money being designated for them to come and to investigate it and to stop these these terrorist acts before it happens. Why is that? Hmm. So, all right, so we got someone that's been holding for a while. Someone else had called earlier. They were holding too, but, you know, I like to get the main talking points out before I start taking calls because, you know, I've learned over the years that some of these people, they just call in to, you know, derail, deny, and deflect. So I'm hoping this is someone that wants to be on the air. Let me go ahead and pull them into the conversation. 612, may I ask who's calling? Yes, good afternoon. How are you doing? My name is David. Hi, David. How are you? Are you doing good? How are you doing, ma'am? Good, thank you. So, what's your comment for us today? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I was wondering because as I was listening, you brought up two um, questions as far as how people feel about not necessarily associating with some of these, um, you know, marches and protests that we see from other groups, like mm-hmm. and, uh, also on the Muslim issue, and then also with the whole um, the laws changing on how they deal with protesters. So, for example, take like the women's march, for example. Like, I, I, personally, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how any you know black person in America can be pro-choice, especially when we actually look at the history behind that. And and I find it difficult for us to be associated with people who support that when that was a system that was primarily designed to reduce black population. Especially when look someone looks up Marcus Sanger and her writings and her and her writings and how she wanted to implement how she wanted to You know, I just. You know, I think I, I just, find that unacceptable. I think I find that unacceptable. I don't know if you agree with that, and I don't know if you agree that's a major issue we need to discuss. Well, no, not necessarily. I don't necessarily agree with it, but please continue. Yeah, I mean, um, are, are you familiar with Margaret Sanger, for example, the founder of Planned Parenthood? Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. I'm familiar with that, and you know, I know that some people, you know, state that when she started Planned Parenthood, that basically it was eugenics or genocide of black children and trying to reduce the black population. And I understand, you know, some of the thoughts on that. And, you know, and with some of them, you know, I agree. But overall, not so much because I do not feel as though, Anyone has the right to tell a woman what to do with her body. But what's so interesting is a lot of these people are concerned with that fetus and that baby when it's inside the mother. But when it comes out, they no longer care. And for some of these women, they cannot afford those children. Things happen, shit happens. You know, people get pregnant. It happens. But women should not be forced to have children that they do not want 
and or cannot afford. Yeah, I mean, I, that argument, I'm sorry. In all honesty, it doesn't truly hold up to logic. And, and I mean it like this. Like, when do when do we get to the point where we feel like it's acceptable to exterminate someone based on the basis of finances or whether a person's mental state or level of development or level of dependency? Or when, when did that all of a sudden become a factor in determining whether someone should live or not? I think, number one, that's not right. Well, two, I mean, but see, the thing is, the thing is, is that... And, you know, it's a very valid argument that I'm giving. But, see, this is my question to you since, you know, you're stating that, you know, when are we going to get to the point of basically, you know, not listening to these women or not allowing them to abort those children? You know, if, if these women are going to be forced to carry these babies to term, then people like yourself who do not believe in abortion, and who feel that those children should be born, you all should be put on a registry, and you all take custody of those children. With no money coming from the state or the federal government, you raise those children because you feel like it's the right thing to do, because you feel like those children deserve an opportunity to live. You know, so yeah, then, and, uh, you know, if that's the case, yeah, so, so that, I'm sure let's, these women will have let's, no let's problem signing right the kids here. over like, to them. Okay, so let's let's look into that. For example, and this is why the, the way you're presenting it, you're acting as if these women are becoming pregnant outside of their own free will or ability. Now, if you're talking about a woman who was say raped or involved in incest or sexual abuse, that's different. She was she had no, you know, she didn't. This is something that was against her will. But when you talk about people getting pregnant, it's not like an accident. It's not like you walk outside, the wind blew on you, and you got pregnant. You got pregnant as a direct consequence of a choice to have sex. I mean, this is common sense here. So an individual engaging in activity, understanding there are certain consequences, and when that consequence happens, now you feel like because of your convenience, you feel that it's justifiable to murder your own child. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, okay. So, I mean, I see how you're setting up the argument, but, you know, to me, it seems like, you know, the way your argument is set up or the way you're framing it is you're punishing the woman for having sex because it takes two people to create a body, to create a baby, a man and a woman. So if the woman does not want the child, then she can give it to the man to help create it. And if he doesn't want the child, then we give them to you all that are on the registry. Okay, let's be clear. I'm not blaming them. What I'm saying is people have to be responsible for their choices. It's not, again, no one is a victim in this case. Unless the woman was raped, then she's a victim. But if she wasn't raped and she engaged in consensual sex with someone, that meant she made a a decision. And all decisions we take have consequences, ma'am. We can't act like people have to well, yeah, all this, yeah, all these, You know, in all decisions, yes, there are consequences to that. However, it is her body. And if she does not, her, not want not to bring body. that baby to term, it's, she does. It, I, mean, it's, but, I mean, it's like this. Are you willing to take all these children? I mean, seriously. No, seriously. Let's cut the bullshit right here. You know, because I know a couple of people right now that are pregnant and are not happy about it at all. And I'll be happy to take your name and information, and we can set it up so that you can legally adopt these children. So okay, unless so you're I'm willing just trying to, to do I, that, I, I want to understand you know, where your you're entire from, argument like, flies. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's, let's apply this. So your moral standard is like at the point to which you're saying to yourself that, okay, 
she doesn't want to have this child, and if there's no one else to take it, therefore she's justified in killing it. That's that's, that's literally what you're saying to me, so it's acceptable then. Um, actually, no. That's not what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying is that a woman has a right a woman has the right to engage in sexual activity. You know, I'm pro sex. I'm pro sex worker. I'm pro ho or however oh you want to call it, however you want to spell it. I'm anti trifling. However, it seems as though women are being punished for having sex. And basically, if she decides that she does not want that child, she doesn't have to have it. She has that right to decide. And, you know, that's where I stand with that. And so, you know, again, I'm not trying to stay on that particular subject, but, you know, I understand where he was coming from, you know, with with black people and, you know, and, and how sometimes the narrative has been set up that birth control and you know abortion and all of that you have people out here who believe that that is a detriment to the black community that is basically genocide to the black community but what they're not taking into account is with you know the fact that number 1 that's that woman's body she gets to make that decision however we set it up the way you know that a woman has no choice but to have that child. You know, you have a system here now that's taking away or trying to take away every social safety net that's out there. And so now that child is born in poverty. You know, it may be malnourished, undereducated or uneducated because opportunities aren't there. You know, no ability to, you know, start their own businesses, no jobs. And, you know, it's it's a perpetual cycle. In some cases, a perpetual cycle of poverty. You know, they care about the baby when it's inside the mother, but they don't give a damn about it when you've pushed it out. So, again, you know, I don't believe in punishing women for having sex. And that's what I have to say about that. But, you know, getting back to talk about, you know, the Women's March. And they did exactly what I said I thought they were going to do. They turned around and started blaming black women specifically um, for being divisive and saying that, you know, the march could have had or yielded better results but because of black women and their divisiveness, you know, that, that, you know, it was a successful march, but it could have been even more successful. So, you know, it's a bunch of fuckery going on with that there. But, yeah, you know, it's interesting on, because I can't, you know, I just can't switch that off. Hmm. You have these men trying to put all of the responsibility on a woman. So what if she had sex? He was there too. And you try to force her to have the baby. He won't take it. Then what? And there's so much more to that particular conversation that I really don't want to engage it because that's a show in and of itself. And so... 
you know. Anyway, for some of you out there, you know, that have issues with black people marching with the people who had taken issue with the Muslim ban. Again, like I said, um, there are black Muslims. And, you know, we need to take that into consideration. But there was an article written by a woman named Carol Zou, Z-O-U. And the title of the article, Your Defense of Immigrants is Fucking Colonialist. And this is an epic, you know, an epic, you know, blog here, a takedown. Because I found it interesting because, you know, she was talking about white liberals and how, you know, they were out there um, wearing the American flag and holding pictures of dead babies from Syria and and she said for a minute there she thought the alt-right had gone so right that it was left again you know and so she was talking about the liberalism that she had witnessed at the no wall no ban actions and how you know it was you know, imperialist in the name of immigration and so it's really, really good. I posted it a few days ago, but you can always go and look it up. But the title is Your Defense of Immigrants is Fucking Colonialist. And so, um, you know, she was talking about how some of these white liberals or progressives, how they were saying, stop criticizing the people that are joining the movement. They should be rewarded with freshly baked cookies and golden safety pins for their allyship. And she responded <laughs> that um, that the only movement that these white liberals are joining is the United States movement to colonize the globe. And she was talking about people not understanding what they're fighting for, and 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 how clear it was that they'll never, you know, get to that particular understanding without, you know, having you know first generation immigrants pushing back. And ruining their day. And so, you know, again, you have a lot of these mythologies out here. One mythology is the model minority mythology that is hoisted upon the Asian community. And what's so beautiful about the fa- about, about that is the fact that a lot of Asians push back on it because they know it's white supremacy. And they know it's, you know, them, again, trying to pit one group against another group. Because, see, with the black community or black Americans, they put us up as the measuring stick, as the example, telling other people, you don't want to be like them. You don't want to be like that. So, again, you know, go back, read this, and... (laughs) You know, she kind of went in here. And then there was another article by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. And she was talking about stop saying this is a nation of immigrants, right? And, you know, she's talking about white supremacy and the 1960 movement against colonialism, neocolonialism, white supremacy, blah, 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 right? And the ruling class. You know, and I'm going to post that. I don't think I put that on my wall. I I may have. I don't remember. But, you know, this is a good article as well. And one of the articles that I had posted about um, convicts being shipped from 
Britain to America and uh, and Australia when they came to America America they were called Native Americans and so you know there's something going on with the name of Native Americans and I really need to do more research on it and you know they were breaking down as to when people were initially saying Native Americans they were talking about the original you know white people that were sent to this country so you know that's why you see a lot of people changing it'll say indigenous people or first nations and so i really need to do some reading on that and invite someone to the show to talk about that because i found that you know um fascinating i had never heard of such a thing until you know a couple of um about a week ago when i was looking this up and i had no idea that when some people say Native Americans, they were talking about those particular people. Now, I knew the king and queen, I knew they were sending the queen's bastards over to America, but I did not know about that other part. So, yeah, go out there and um, take a look and see what's happening. And for those of you out there, you know, immigrants in this country that are legal immigrants and thinking that you dodged a bullet, not necessarily so, because Donald Trump is trying to find a way to ship out legal immigrants, foreign nationals, if you're poor. So you need to think about that. You think it's not going to affect you? Oh, yeah, it will. He's coming on down the line. So if nothing else, Donald Trump is setting it up so that we will have to work with each other and depend on each other and and protect each other. That's basically what this is all boiling down to. And it's important that you guys, again, keep up with, you know, the news and what's happening. But, yeah, no, I think we need to ditch the Democrats and the Republicans, start a third party, vote all of their asses out, you know, create policy, that benefits, you know, everyone and, um, you know, kick their asses right up out the White House, the Congress, you know, your state legislatures, your, you know, your aldermen, your mayors, just get rid of them all, you know, especially if they are not doing, you know, the will of the people because there's more of us than there are of them, you know. So I just think it's important for you guys to, know that and to understand what's happening and um, why we need to have a lot of very difficult conversations. And, uh, (laughs) you know, what was so funny about some of the things that we're seeing, and I know it's a lot of things that I haven't covered, you know, and it's just so much happening that it's hard to go over everything. But I definitely want you guys to go out and take a look at what the, you know, Bannon administration, what they want to do with cutting the funds from, you know, monitoring white supremacists, you know, as well as the anti-abortion assassins. It's, it's, It's important that you understand this. You know, and so they're going to rename the Countering Violence Extremism Initiative. They're going to rename it to Countering Radical Islam Extremism and reclassify it. 
And so, yeah, you know, there's a reason why Dylan Roof, you know, was not labeled domestic terrorist. There's a reason for that. And so, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's only terrorism when you're upsetting white folks, right? So get out there, get to reading. Um, it's a lot that needs to be, you know, researched and shared. I mean, you know, I put this information out there so that you all can see what's happening. But I want you to form your own opinions. I'm not here to tell you what to think, you know, and I'm not here to tell you how to think. I just want you to think, period. You know, but yeah, go out, look up the Johnson Amendment, you know, it prohibits churches and other tax exempt organizations from endorsing political candidates and, um, you know, being political in a pulpit. And uh, go back. It's, you know, it's going to make sense to you. Also, I want you guys to go and look up the fact that this is not the first time that America has been anti-immigrant. It's happened, you know, a number of times. You need to go back and you need to read that history, you know, because it's important. And, and you know, they were banning a whole lot of people. I remember, you know, reading in history class way back when, and, you know, even with doing some of the research now, you know, they were talking about how at one point they were banning Chinese people from coming into this country. And, again, there's a lot of history there because when the slaves were so-called emancipated, what happened is they started bringing in more Chinese people to do the work that the slaves had once done. You know, and the same thing, you know, with, you know, a lot of the different cases. You know, you just need to read. You need to read, you need to understand this history, and this Americanism or this nativism, this is nothing new. You know, it happens often. You know, this country has always been hostile to others or immigrants, and I think I posted that on my wall, you know, a few articles about it. And, um <laughs> You know, a lot of people want to say that Donald Trump is igniting the fires of xenophobia. And no, that was always there. He just made it politically correct to say it. Just like he's making it politically correct to be racist. That's what he's doing with these Muslim bans and all of this other crazy. He's, you know, allowing people to be racist again. And what many of us need to understand is with Donald Trump's mindset is very patriarchal and with some of the policies that, you know, he says that he's attempting to put on the books and right the wrongs, you know, and especially the ones that they are, you know, basically designating as protecting women. It's not protecting women at all. It's that patriarchal mindset. So, you know, when you look at this and you hear these things and you see these things, you know, again, I just want you to have, you know, a big picture 
type of perception, you know, a much broader purview of what's going on, where it stems from. And, you know, he, he says that he's trying to protect women when in all actuality he's harming them. And, you know, what's so interesting about that is some of the same white women that voted for Donald Trump were the same white women telling Dylan Roof when he started shouting about black, you know, black men taking all of the white women and, you know, and they were protecting the white women. Some of these same feminists were telling these white domestic terrorists that they didn't speak for them. But yet they went out and voted for the man who said, grab them by the pussy. How does that work? You can't have it both ways. And so, you know, again, we all know my issues with that women's march, you know, the political issues that, you know, that I have with that. And, you know, even right now I'm sitting back and I'm watching and, you know, they said that it was not just the march that is going to be continued action. We're waiting. We're waiting to see. But, you know, I find it, you know, somewhat amusing that white people are out here nervous. Because, see, they, they, they've they known all along that this racism was still here and that it still existed. But when they elected Barack Obama, they were trying to sell that narrative that we were living in a post-racial America. And, you know, and even before Barack Obama, they were trying to sell that colorblind bullshit. You know, and basically, you know, even with that post-racial colorblind, those different narratives there, again, it's erasing black people. And so, you know, and, and not only black people, but Latino people, you know, Asian, Native Americans, you know, black people as well as non-black people of color, right? And it's important that we do not allow that to happen because history is being whitewashed is being, you know, revised, rewritten, which is why you see these campaigns out here about reclaiming Martin Luther King Jr. and reclaiming Malcolm X. Because, you know, with what's happening in this country, you know, you, I find it interesting, but yeah, what's happening in this country is, you know, they hated Malcolm X and MLK when they were alive. But when they were dead, and, and couldn't talk anymore and didn't have the direct impact on people, you know, they were okay with them being dead, and then they take their words and use it out of context and manipulate it to mean what they want it to mean. And unfortunately, you have so many people out here that do not do research on their own. They just take it as face value. Oh, that's what that means, and they, they run with it and they stick with it. Which is why when we do shows like this and we start bringing up history, we get a lot of resistance. And, you know, a lot of folks are like, that didn't happen. She's making that up. And they go and look it up, and they're like, oh, shit, that really did happen. Yeah, that really did happen. So keep doing your research. Keep challenging folks. Keep critiquing them. You know, all of that, you know, that's good. 
that's good. You got to keep people on their toes, but you need to stay on your toes too. And I have a sneaky suspicion that the next four years, we're going to be on our toes every day. So, you know, those of you out there that are tired, it's too early to get tired, but take your breaks. Take time. You know, self-care is important because we don't want people out here burning out. But, you know, again, usually when you have things being flung at you, you know, just left and right constantly, consistently, yeah, it's something that they don't want you to see. So we have to stay on top of all of this and, you know, not allow this to happen. You know, we can't allow them to discriminate against anybody because it's just a matter of time before they come to the rest of us and they come after the rest of us. You know, I've seen some debate, you know, I guess President Bannon is going to sign an executive order um, helping the HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities. And so there's some debate going on about that. And, and again, Donald Trump, when he was running, he, you know, had an outline or a plan for black America. So he was going to have a new deal for black America, right? And so, you know, you need to look that up. And you need to get a better understanding. And, you know, again, he's, like, just focused on Chicago. And there's a reason for that, you know. But, you know, this this is horrible. I feel like I'm an unwilling participant in a reality show. And when I'm not being forced to participate, I'm a captive audience because I can't get away. You know, you have no choice but to see it, but to hear it. You know, I know people who do not watch the news because it makes them too sad. It upsets them too much. And I understand, but we need to be aware we need to be aware of what's happening. We need to be aware of the new laws they're putting on books. And it's not just the protesters that can be arrested and charged with resisting arrest by asking why. This won't just apply to the protesters. This can apply to you opening your door and the police are out there and they're like, let us in. And you're like, no, show me a warrant. And, you know, if you get one of the interesting cops, if you will, you know, they'll try to arrest you for, you know, resisting because you question whether they had a warrant or not. Or they ask you your name when you answer your door and you're like, why? You know, and the Supreme Court has issued some some verdicts or, or, you know, they've gone in and, you know, the Miranda laws, you know, their interpretation of the Miranda laws and a number of other things, you know, it has set us up for pure anarchy and, and you know, lack of control for, you know, lack of control of the police departments and in agents and their counterparts. And this is definitely not in the best interests 
of the American public. So, again, pay attention. You see that President Bannon is trying to dismantle in his own way the Dodd-Frank Act. And, you know, this is dangerous for a number of reasons because what it does is if he dismantles part of that, it will allow for these investors or brokers or what have you to take your money and drain it and and make sure that they receive, you know, high fees, you know, better commissions while not giving a damn about your average everyday investor. And so you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention and understand why some of this is really, 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 really dangerous. And you'll have those out there that will say, well, you know, everything is fine. The GDP is great. And, you know, if you're looking at this from a macro level, yeah. I mean, you know, Dow hit 20000 You know, investors, they're making money hand over fist. You know, that's one of the reasons why they, they, they loved Obama, but they hated him at the same time. You know, but the people that are being hurt most are your average, everyday, common folks, you and me. And so, again, you know, these laws and these deregulations and things that they're putting in place is to enrich those who are already filthy rich. These hedge fund managers, you know, making money, unbelievable amounts of money. And then turn around and increase, you know, and buy these pharmaceutical companies and pills that used to cost you know, 20 cents a pill, now they're like $200 a pill. So people can't even afford to, you know, their medications anymore. And, you know, just reading some of the commentary about, you know, what's happening in the, you know, President President Bannon's administration, you know, from my understanding of what I'm reading, you know, it's chaos. And from, you know, some of the information that's been released, you know, they say that, um, you know, Trump emotionally eats. So, you know, they're feeling it. They're feeling the pressure. And, again, he yielded to public outrage in regards to signing an executive order taking away some of the protections for the LGBTQ community. So we have to continue with putting the pressure on these people because otherwise he's going to write executive orders for every damn thing. And, you know, what's, what a lot of people aren't understanding is the fact that the, that the House and the Senate are both controlled by Republicans. So why is he pushing these executive orders? And so you really need to look at this. You also need to pay attention to – his some of the words that are coming out of his mouth in regards to Putin and Russia and the policies that he wants to to um, implement and also the sanctions that he's trying to take away. There's a reason for this. You know, he owes, you know, Russian investors money, right? And so, and then also the other day when he had that little chat with Bill O'Reilly, and O'Reilly called Putin a murderer, and Donald Trump said, well, we'll call Putin a killer. Sorry, killer. 
And Donald Trump responded, well, you know, there are a lot of killers. And basically he said this country is not innocent. You know, and we know that America has gone over to other countries, involved themselves in the politics of those countries. You know, at one point, Osama bin Laden was, you know, a CIA operative. We were paying him. And then apparently we got upset with something and we started paying the other side. And as a matter of fact, there was a congresswoman, I forget her name, please forgive me, but she went over to Syria to figure out what the hell was going on over there. And while she was there, she had an impromptu meeting with Assad. And so, you know, members of Congress are really upset with her, but primarily Democrats. But she came back singing a different tune. So, again, you know, they don't want you talking to these people. They don't want you really investigating, you know, these matters and and everything that's happening. You need to be questioning why. How do they benefit? What are they going to get out of this? Right? And most importantly, you got white folks around here all nervous, you know, because, again, they know that racism is alive in this country. But, see, again, it it, it went from, you know, certain people being outright racist to they had to be a little bit more polite or the political correctness. You can be racist, but just not publicly. And now Donald Trump and his administration is ripping the scab off that sore. And so what's interesting is with some white people, it's, you know, to them, it's okay if you're racist, but you don't have to tell everybody about it. Just kind of keep that to yourself and, you know, and it's just interesting because me personally, I prefer that someone is just outright racist with me. At least I know where they stand as opposed to having people who claim to be allies or claim to want what's best for, you know, um, people of color, whether they're black or non-black. And that's not, you know, the case. You know, so again, keep up with it, pay attention, ask questions, do your research, you know, and again, even with what I say on this show, look it up. You can trust, but verify. Because like I said, I don't want many memes running around out there. That's, That's not my objective. My objective is to get you to reading, to get you to challenging authority, you know, putting forth critiques, well-balanced critiques. If you have people out there telling you not to listen to or, you know, or read anything from opposing viewpoints, the only thing they're doing is weakening your argument. Because how can you argue against something or be against something that you have no knowledge of and no understanding of? So it's important that, you know, you guys... Continue to be your own person. Have your own agency. Do not hand your agency over to other people. You be yourselves. But again, like I say, trust but verify. You know, you go out there and you look it up. And, you know, even with this show today, it's just so much to say and we only have so much time to do it. But again, you know, my job is to pique your interest.
and give you just enough to make you want to go out and do the reading and do the research. And, yeah, so I'm going to be telling more about some of the books that I'm reading and setting some things up, you know, pulling everything back together. But, yeah, I'm back 100%. None of these communities are immune to my critiques, you know, because it's like I pulled back a little last year just in general because I needed to get some things together on my end. But, yeah, we're ready for battle now. So, yeah, I'm going to keep talking about your ISIS white atheist community. I'm even talking about the black atheist community, you know, how the uh, some of them are out here. Not all of them, but some of them, select few that are out here espousing that white supremacy in the name of solidarity with some of these white atheists, you know, and organizations out here. And what's so interesting about it is that some of them claim to be humanists and social justice, and civil rights, human rights activists, but yet they do not understand the implications of some of the rhetoric that they're spouting. And the reason why I'm sure about a lot of that is because you'll hear the same talking points coming out of some of these people's mouths, so the white ones and the black ones. And there are some commonalities, and that's true. And there are some common, you know, um, um, some common things, some common, you know, sense, and you know, and logic that we have, you know, that we have of one another. But when you have people out here attacking the black community and attacking the black church in the name of atheism or particularly black atheism, there is a problem with that. And especially if the person did not come from the black church, can't talk about something that you don't understand in depth if you've never been a part of it. And so, again, you know, again, I want you to critique people. I want you to question it. Need for you to pay attention. And the same thing with the LGBTQ community. You have some of these people out here that, you know, will blame and point the finger at the black community, and particularly the black church, and state, oh, well, you know, Prop 8 happened because of the black voters, you know, when mathematically that that was impossible. But then you'll have some of these same people saying, oh, the homophobia, you know, and it's the black community, it's the black church, and black people are no more homophobic than white people. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the homophobia that's being espoused, you know, in some of these black communities and black churches, they got their talking points from white evangelicals, you know, same people that voted President Bannon into office. The white evangelicals. Yeah, the white church enslaved black people. The white church that perpetuated racism then and now. A lot of the black churches picked up those talking points from them. And so, you know, it's just important for you all to understand that. 
And then, you know, when I talk about these different communities, especially the LGBTQ community and the gay movement as we know it now, you know, and again, it's always about having a white male savior, right? And the the gay movement never would have happened had black and Latino trans women of color, had they not fought back. But yet they were revised and whitewashed out of the history. And even with some of the marches and rallies that took place this weekend, they had one at Stonewall, you know, where it all started, you know, and, and that's great and wonderful. And I see some of these white activists that are out here trying to tell the story. You know, you'll see a few here and there. But see, this is the problem. Those people are the exception and not the norm. Because I was just explaining this to, you know, a white ally most recently when, you know, we were talking about race and what's happening. And I said what offends a lot of black people is when you say, well, look at Oprah, look at Michael Jordan, look at Tiger Woods, and, you know, look at all of these wealthy, rich black people. And, you know, and I'm like, they're the exception, not the rule. When they become the rule, then that's a different story. But, you know, again, what's happening in this country is absolutely wicked. And when white folks start getting nervous about it, you know, you need to pay attention. But you white folks out there that are nervous about this, you voted him in. So are you nervous about his policies or are you nervous that he's getting ready to come and fuck your shit up? We'll see. Because I want to see who's going to be marching for us when, you know, President Bannon and Jeff Sessions come after communities of color. I want to see how many white people stand up. I want to see how many white people that will get out there and speak up for us who will rail against imperialism who will rail against fascism and xenophobia and all of these things. Where will you be? Will I see you? You know, and so it was interesting because there was a conversation. And I'm trying to remember what it was about, but it was talking about black people being kicked out of America. And they were talking about white people coming out and and possibly protesting, you know, that if it should ever happen. And I'm like, oh, they'll come out the house, you know, bring us bags of fried chicken, (laughs) fruit cups, and, um, you know, maybe some barbecue for that long, big-ass boat ride we're going to be on, talking about, we'll come visit you in Africa. So, you know, that's not indicative of all white people, but... You know, some of these people out here that you all think are your friends and are your allies, no. And there's way too many of them trying to hide behind the cloak of being progressive and or liberal, you know, but they're fiscally responsible, you know, fiscally conservative, of course. You need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to these things because some of the people that, are fooling you into believing that they are truly for us, they're not. 
They're about their own pocketbook. So anyway, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Again, think for yourself. Keep your agency. But we also have to work together. Collectivism is is a necessity. See you guys next Sunday. Take care. Have a good day. And seconds.